and welcome to Bruh Beats World. Your boy meets all the fun cause. This is episode 92. I am Siege. Now I am TC. Okay, so you guys, we are jumping in. We are in season uh, five. We are early episodes, a lot to talk about. Kind of like a little of a precursor. We already recorded this episode. <laughs> All right, you know, or, gonna, we already didn't record this episode. Yes, <laughs> I'm gonna come up here and say, "Hey guys, we literally tried to record this episode. I realized I did not push the record button on Zoom midway through our conversation. So we're gonna jump back in this and we're gonna start fresh. But I guarantee you guys, this is an episode you want to hang out for. We have a lot of hot takes. Absolutely. And then also, the only reason why I mentioned it is if we happen to. Uh, refer to something that you're like, they didn't talk about that before. Just know that we have had this conversation. So. We're so sorry. <laughs> okay, but that being said, episode, season five, episode two, uh, as I said earlier, I'm really excited to talk about this because A, um, this is the very first episode that I saw, I actually saw the new intro in. And yes. um, very much as we had spoken about before is... In this new episode, or sorry, this new intro, I like this evolution. I like that we have um, Jack in it now. There's there's camaraderie, there's brotherhood. Um, it, it's just, it feels more candid and it feels very much in the spirit of this particular episode. Which totally. is like a real world episode where it's, um, it's more B-roll footage than it is. Um, I mean, yeah, they're clearly on a back lot somewhere, just like sh- bullshitting around. Someone threw water on someone that thought it would be a fun gag. And I actually heard Ben talk about filming this, where he said that they really didn't even know that people were filming it for this purpose. He just thought that they were just out there to have fun and like sh- fuck around and take photos. Exactly. Like, I believe I heard something similar where it was like, hey, they told they told them all hey, we're just like, we're setting up right now. You know, it's like, we're going to do something. You guys just keep acting. We're getting the cameras together and just kind of use that natural footage, which I think, you know, it lends to what the show is trying to be at this particular time, which is more adult, more more aimed at the MTV generation, um, which we've kind of had hints to than previously when we were like an ABC family show. Should we jump into the tell me about it? Let's do our tell me about it. <clears throat> Tell me about it. Corey's got a camera again. This time, though, he'll film a show about roommates becoming bros. Again, he is available for bar mitzvahs. I do it all, y'all. Weddings. (laughs) Quinceañeras. Okay, this is season five, episode two, Boy Meets Real World. In vain of MTV's The Real World, Corey films a documentary about Jack, Sean, and Eric adjusting to their new lives. However, when friction develops between Jack and Sean, Corey must decide whether or not to continue filming his movie or help his two friends in trouble. Topanga thinks Corey should prove himself more of a friend than a filmmaker. Um, And that, so that is the the summary of this episode. One of the things that I want to call out, it's... (laughs) I always find it funny where they're like, between two friends, Jack is brand new. So it's like, between two friends, it's like, no, it's your friend and his brother. Or like, I don't know, like, I, like, yes. I, I feel like you're helping Sean navigate this new family and how, how to deal with that. But like, I don't know, friend seems pretty, pretty like, bold. I don't know. Pretty bold. <laughs> we, we don't, don't know, know him. 
I think there's even this ongoing joke later on where he doesn't even know Topanga's name, I think, or something like that. (laughs) Like, it's just so funny how just separate he is, but he's immediately thrown into this world with people who have been lifelong friends. I love that you, what you said is something that's like, I feel very true to like people of color where it's like, I don't know you. Like, who are you? (laughs) Like, you're here and like other people have granted you access, but I don't know you. We have been binging this and I, I know how it ends. And at this point in time, I'm still like, I don't know you, Jack. I don't feel comfortable with you being in my world just yet. This episode is another episode where we have Corey with a camera. I specifically remember bringing this up to you. Like the first time I saw it, I was like, hey, keep an eye on this going through the series because it happens a few times. Actually, quickly, I just want to say season two, episode seven, it happens where Wake Up Little Corey, where Corey makes a film with Topanga about sex. Season three, episode seven, it happens in Truth and Consequence, where Corey and Sean make a film about janitor butt clocking out early. Season three, episode 17, Pink Flamingo Kid, where Corey films Sean's other half-brother committing a crime. And now this with the real world, um, there is just all of this evidence that shows that Corey would be a great filmmaker. He has an aptitude for filmmaking. And yet he becomes a teacher. What is frustrating about this is it's all lead up and no payoff. There still is an evolution of someone's interest and in their careers. If you're a student, especially, we know you don't always go into the career that you wanted to as a child, but there still are things that are inherent to you as a character. And it just feels like Corey really enjoys storytelling, especially with a visual medium. That has kind of been his thing early on. So the idea that they just abandon it, like you let us all this way, why not take us there? And the fact that Corey uh, hears from Feeney that like, oh, NYU has this great film program and Corey ends up in New York City, it just feels like a waste that that didn't come through. Can we just go straight to the drop the towel moment? I just want to talk about that and get it out the way. Um, So yeah, so basically... (laughs) Um, for those of you who haven't watched, there is a, a moment where Sean lets us know that Corey has been filming him for five minutes. Five in minutes the in the shower. We have like this whole back and forth bromance with them. It doesn't have to be sexual to be intimate, but five minutes of what five I have minutes. plenty of friends, and I don't think I've watched them shower for five minutes consecutively at any point in time in my life. Nonetheless, <laughs> ask them to film. Hey, you are a 17-year-old minor. Can I film you in the shower for the European version of my film? The answer is no, you cannot. It's child porn and I won't that allow is, it. That is child pornography and everyone needs to be aware. Corey can go to prison right now just for holding that camera. Later on, he stages like, hey, get involved with this girl while I'm filming. It's like, it's very, it is child porn director. It is, you know what I mean? A 100%. It's It's super creepy. I'm just like... One of the things that I, I want to bring up again, just because we had a brief conversation with this on our failed recording, was just the, talking about uh, the real world and the like the significance of the real world and reality television. And um, Siege, what was your history with the real world at this point? Like, how did you so feel about it? I, I, I watched the real world. I watched seasons. But to me, I think something that this episode explores and something that I, I'm excited to talk about is... Being on reality television involves being very vulnerable and very open. You have to be a very specific person to feel comfortable knowing that you're going to be living in an environment where you will never not be filmed. 
in the yeah. showers, in your bedrooms, anywhere. You are always going to have a camera on you, filming you in every which way. And it, it takes a special kind of person for that. I, I, I don't think I have it in me personally. And I think the reason why there's conflict within this episode is because simply Corey miscasted. He found people that just weren't down to have a camera around them all the time. That Thank you, because... It's really funny watching this episode because I'm like, Corey's right. In, in order to be like, in order to do reality TV, in order to be the director that he wants to be or whatever, he absolutely should not interfere. Like how many times do we watch reality TV and we're like, yo, someone was behind the camera when this moment happened and didn't yes. do something. Um, that's part of the formula. That's part of of this version of reality TV, not even like a documentary, but which you're not supposed to do either, but you are not supposed to be involved with your subject unless it's about you. And this isn't about him. Something we didn't mention, I just want to bring her up real fast. Trina McGee's first appearance as Angela is in this episode, um, which I'm very excited about. I'm very excited to have her as part of the cast officially now. Um, and she, I thought it was interesting too that she brought up the fact that Corey seemed like he ripped off the real world because in 1997, the only example of reality television was the real world. And now it's, basically it basically built the template to which every reality show has copied no offense Corey, but your project looks like you ripped off that show on mtv the real world i have no knowledge of this real world of which you speak my real world is the real real world he was doing something that people just considered odd at the time whereas now it's become such a part of our culture that everyone is filming themselves all the time yeah and there's the argument of like the you you present yourself to be versus uh like i we talked about um, stunting for the gram, you know what I mean? And like this whole idea of yeah. wanting to create your real reality, not only in the sense of like Jack and um, Eric and Sean and the way that they first appear differently, you know, when Corey starts filming, but also the idea of Corey kind of constructing and being the producer and being like, hey, drop the towel, kiss the girl. It's not necessarily what would have naturally happened. It's what happens when we put these wheels in motion? And there's actually a ton of times in the episode where Corey like is talking to Topanga or someone and he's like, my vision is to show people a side of Sean Hunter that they have never seen before. What side is that? Well, the side that shows you overcoming all the odds, you know, moving out of the trailer park, getting to know your newfound brother from a different social class who desperately wants to bond with you. And in a stunning plot twist, just walked in with your new girlfriend. <laughs> Let's see what happens. He seems to have like a very firm understanding of the emotional stakes of all the characters, but can't see how he himself is creating conflict with his own friendship with Sean. Because Corey doesn't, is Corey is not great at self-reflection. Like that's no. one of the signatures of Corey is he is not great at looking at himself and be like, hmm, maybe I'm the problem. <laughs> he can't see how he contributes to it, but he can see how he can exploit it, which I just thought was very interesting. Which to be fair is what makes a very successful reality TV producer <laughs> is all I'm saying. Something I want to bring up is the idea of if Corey is going to be like this learn a morality lesson so to speak why not have him learn it and continue with that i think again it's it's what we talked about with Corey having an interest in film is that each and every time that we've had 
this situation. It's like, where do you draw the line? What is too much information? Where, like, what is being a good journalist and what is just exploiting people? It would be nice for Corey himself to be like, hey, didn't I learn this lesson before? This is just like the last time with Janitor Bud. And maybe some things don't need to be on film. Maybe some things, maybe I can create a story and drama outside of this and not necessarily put someone else's life on blast. It's interesting because in like the Truth and Consequence episode, Janitor Bud didn't know he was being filmed. And the Pink Flamingo kids, Sean Halfway, they didn't know he was being filmed. Jack, Eric, and Sean all willingly signed up for all of this. So I, I, I really don't know how much of this is like Corey like contributing or like, even the pressure Topanga puts on him to like help isn't, I don't even know necessarily his responsibility to, but I can understand the, the inner conflict of it all. Um, okay. Do you, uh, do you have anything you want to say? Cause I do want to say, bring up our roll call. I, I just, yeah, let's go ahead and go to the roll call because uh, there's, there's a lot to talk about. Roll call. We have Trina McGee Davis, who is Angela. Making her um, first appearance. First appearance. I was like, yes, get that check, girl. This was clearly something where they were like building up to it. They wanted us to know that she was in the class. Uh, she know, is never- sitting next to Sean as if to imply that that's how they met to start dating during Sean's like two week rule or whatever. Exactly. So, so like I get that. But also I was like, is this the first person of person? color speaking character we get? Uh, student. Because I know we had Eli, but I think this is the first student we get outside of Third Seat Kid. Or at least it's... Well, it's. Go ahead. Siege, I was just going to say, Philadelphia actually does not have a lot of Black people. So that's just <laughs> one of the well-known facts that we all know to be true. So that can explain why that's the case. Yeah, I was like, this. it's noticeable as a person of color to be like, oh shit, Black people are talking. <laughs> totally. Um, then who else is on our roll call? Um, Larry. Ryan, Ryan just felt... <laughs> who plays Larry and Larry plays Eric. And I want to talk about Larry because there are a lot of implications about Larry that just need to be addressed. Number one, Larry, a grown ass man is friends with his little sister's little sister. I'm sorry. His little sister's friend um, who herself is not even in the double digits. So yep. problem. Why are you so, okay. out with this I, child? I, I, why did you meet this child? How long are you with this child one-on-one? Like, I don't I don't understand what's going on here. I'm very confused and I'm very concerned. For those who haven't seen the episode in a while, I just want to say that for, to remind you, Larry is the, the brother that Morgan rents from her friend to take Eric's place while he's gone. And Siege brings up a lot of good points about how much one-on-one time this guy is spending with this girl unsupervised because it seems as though Morgan just pay the guy to just hang around her all the time and her parents are fine with it? Yeah, this is what I'm saying. Sorry, we had just, we just discussed child pornography with Corey and what he's doing. You cannot tell me that this isn't creepy to have a, like, I have a friend who has like a teenage daughter and even I'm like, yo, why would I be alone with this kid for any extensive point in time? I need a reason to be alone with this kid. Don't just leave me alone with a child for no reason that I don't know. Like that just doesn't make sense to me. (laughs) Um, And like, that's what I'm really, really curious about it. And then later on we find out he stole and it's like, yo, like there's just so many implications. And he- There's so many. he, he adapts naturally to being part of the family and they just let this happen. And I was like, 
white people will absolutely let a stranger into their house Thank you. to pretend and eat their food. And he's just hanging out playing Barbies with- And like, he stole <laughs> a bunny bear. Like he stole, he stole a, a stuffed bear, which was the creepiest thing of it all. Like a, something for his collection. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. Like I'm freaked out. This is- I I've been watching like a lot of Netflix documentaries and all of this is just, re, just red flags <laughs> yes. for me. Thank you. That's my point. I just want to point out the most dangerous of men are white men. Like, like I just, statistically, you could have a problem with it if you want to. Mm -hmm. Statistically speaking, single white men are the most dangerous. So we should definitely be keeping our eyes on this situation. Um, I will not lie, as creeped out as I was, he was cute to me. He was cute. But again, if Netflix documentaries has taught me anything, it's to definitely look out for the cute white guy who just showed up out of nowhere, who everyone seems to be okay with. <laughs> who has a collection of teddy bears. Um, I want to talk about Jack and uh, Sean's conflict a little bit. Um, the yes. main conflict of, of, of the brothers in this episode is that uh, the girl who was making out with Sean in his towel, you know, gives him her number. Turns out she was looking for Jack. Later on at Chubby's, Sean sees Jack you know, on a date with her, Sean talks to Jack about it. And then Jack's like, oh yeah, you know, it's no big deal. We went to dinner and a concert and now we're just here for dessert. And Sean immediately, I guess, is exposing some kind of financial insecurity is like, whoa, I can't even compete with that. She's yours. Like I can't compete with, with dinner and a concert. And I, one of the things I want to talk about, which I thought I really appreciated was uh, Jack's response to Sean in that moment, because it would have been so easy for, you know, him to kind of blow him off and just be like, look, I'm on the, I'm on a date, dude, you're killing my vibe or whatever. But he's like, Hey, Sean, like there's no animosity between us. If you want to talk, I can send her home. And me and you can like talk this out brother to brother. I just thought that was a really nice move on Jack's part during a time where Sean was showing a lot of vulnerability. What I saw immediately was Sean's insecurity of not being chosen. Like the idea of not being the, like constantly from his family, Sean is not chosen. He's not chosen by his mother who decided to leave. He's not chosen by Chet, who not only left him, but then again, the moment he had an opportunity, pawned him off on Jack. Jack himself, as far as Sean knows, Jack also doesn't choose him. No one choose, No one in his family chooses Sean. So for me, there was like this huge insecurity about not being chosen and being left behind. And we've seen little flashes of that, but it felt very, very um, obvious in this scene because like, even when we were talking about the girl, he's like, oh, there's the, where, where can I compete? I'm, I'm, she, she won't even give me the time of day when she sees what you have to offer. And I thought that that was really um, something that I wanted to bring up because obviously Sean would have these insecurities and it is something that would plague him. Um, but I also like how you said Jack responded with, yo, I'm here for you. I'm here to have a brother. I, I didn't know about those letters. Um, and I honestly and genuinely want to be, want to have a family. Totally. Um, and one thing I just want to bring up about, um, just before I move on to that final scene where they kind of reconcile, is, you know, we're, we're seeing Sean kind of express these financial insecurities. And we keep hearing all these talks about how 
you know, Jack is this rich kid and his father pays for stuff. But Jack takes the time to let Sean know that he's like, hey, I work every summer for my money. I, I'm also taking student loans out for school. So the question I have is, is he rich or is he just rich to Sean? Oh, absolutely. Because like he says that Corey grew up with money, doesn't he? He said something along those lines. Yeah, but like that's what I mean is the Jack's upbringing was it so different from Corey's or was it just that even Corey is rich to Sean well I think like I I will say we don't know because he's never made to he's never made out to be like a Vanderbilt or like uh I'm trying to think of like uh Muffy from Arthur like you know there's always <laughs> like that one character BB in um Doug there's always that one character who's like oh you're the rich character your whole thing is like you're not it's not like your family is well to do your family owns the town or something like that yeah and that's not jack's character it does seem like jack just grew up in an upper middle class family i um was a little curious so i went to the national center for educational statistics um the average cost of universities in 1997 for the 1997-1998 school year was six thousand three hundred and fifty one dollars for the year which by the way i'm angry about that like we don't need to go down this whole conversation because i'm sure we will at some point in time in the season but i don't think people truly understand especially older individuals truly understand how much the cost of an education has gone up like yeah. it went from like something you could do with a part-time job to where like no you need to take out student loans if you're going to do anything and that's one of one of the reasons i want to point it out because jack did this at a time where it wasn't like, I don't think he had to take out student loans. I feel like this was a choice, maybe. I can't yes. say that for sure. But, you know, I kind of did the math. And if he spends three years at college, which is what he ends up doing, it ends up being around 20000 If he goes on to do a fourth year somewhere else after the show finishes, it's 27000 So I just wanted to throw that out there just so we can get an idea of, like, where Jack is coming from financially in 1997, that, you know, maybe he can't he can have his father pay for this, but he also feels comfortable that he'll be able to pay back this money very easily. The whole point of that scene is to show uh, Sean that I may be well off or I may have had a different life than you, but I'm not just in here to coast. I don't need you to be here. I want you to be here. I don't like, I'm, I'm going to this school. I'm doing all these things to be closer to you. And I want you to understand that I have things, but a, I'm not selfish with those things. B, those things don't define me. Outside of Corey, it is very likely. We've seen rich people tell Sean that, you know, he's the poor kid and no one really, you don't really spend time with the poor kid. Um, and so I think there's some more insecurities we're, we're dealing with. Yeah, and I mean, if we kind of think back on the show, every time that Sean's been significantly insecure, it's always been money-based. It's always been that girl doesn't think I'm worth shit because I'm from the trailer park, or I wasn't invited to this party because of where I come from, or Corey's going to go to a different school than me because he's from a different class. Like, all of these things come down to class differences. Another thing I wanted to bring up with when it comes to Sean and Jack is... The idea of Jack being like, my father is the one I see all the time. My father Definitely. is the one who raised me. And that made me be like, yeah, where's all this anger at Chet? And maybe it's because Sean has dealt with Chet for so long. So he's willing to like overlook his father's because it's nothing new. But 
Chet is the one you should be angry at. There should be a scene where you go to Chet and you're like, you kept me from my family. You're the one who, like, I've always needed a brother or I wanted someone and and we're not able to have that moment. Instead, all of this anger is directed at Jack, which again, for story purposes, I understand, but it's just not where it should be because all Jack did was grow up. We can come back to this, but there's also like, this contradicts with what we were told previously because Sean says that he found out about jack and then he wrote and he never it's but then really strange episode, yeah. right before they were like we grew up together and you left so anyway also sean has this part where he's like oh i i, I thought about what my bro who my brother was i didn't find out about him until he was seven and i always wondered what he looked like but he recognizes him in chubbies immediately yeah, in the previous episode it's it's like it's more boy meets world inconsistency um, one thing I do really like about uh, the scene where we kind of go back and see Sean's old apartment. The, again, he, apparently he's lived with Jack, but he didn't find out about him until he was seven. So how old was he when he lived with him? I'm so confused. Was it in the same um, building? We've talked about this because, again, yeah. if we're just going to go off of timelines and what we're saying, it sounds like Jack, or sorry, Sean even, was the because re- Jack's older. Sean was the result of an affair within the apartment building and possibly that left jack's mom for verna and then uh jack's mom met someone else and moved on with her life which again if that's the case i do not blame her for throwing away any letter that came (laughs) from jack's direction i mean honestly think about it It, this yeah it's the only thing that really makes sense. There's a whole adult storyline going on that we are just not getting. This episode brings a lot of questions about where Jack comes from, like what city did he just move from? Uh, what relation, who's his dad? We never meet Jack's dad ever. I mean, I'm sorry, his mom. We never meet his mom or his stepdad. Um, so it would just be really interesting because I don't know that those questions ever get answered. I don't know that we ever figure out where he comes from or who his parents are or what his life was before he was introduced to this cast. Um, And all of those seem like questions that would be really relevant to Sean's story. Okay. So I know we got to wrap up. Uh, I just, do you have anything else you have to say? I, 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 I have one thing I want to talk about, which is the story Eric tells about the uh, Phillies game that he takes uh, Corey to. He talks about the story about how he ate, two hot dogs one of them was for Corey, so he went up and down looking for money for Corey to get him another hot dog he finally gets it and then Corey gets hit in the head with a uh, foul ball and eric's like oh that's a terrible uh, jack says that's a terrible story and eric says yeah i know so tell me one about your brother and one of the things i really loved about this was because eric was kind of highlighting that like life is about these mundane moments where it's not like an excellent story all the time but you're there and you're with that person you're living that experience together and that's what forms the relationship um and so to challenge jack to just simply spend time with his brother and do something is the way you build a relationship versus kind of waiting for kind of everything to fall into place and i just i thought that was a really good uh discussion that eric had considering he's older and he's giving an older brother's perspective you know they say in the episode he's eight months older than jack so Uh, again if he's eight months older than jack just i i just want to say what that means about family dynamics and parents and timeline it just that means when jack was one month old chet stepped out on jack's body yeah totally literally all that could mean but anyway <laughs> um yeah thank you that's perfect because that leads me to my feeny taught me and in my feeny taught me i said that a relationship is not inherent or automatic it's built and i feel like that's that's what this was supposed to 
say like you can find that thread in all kind of three storylines when it comes to morgan and eric it's like yeah you can't just replace your brother like i know that you miss him and you miss him being around and your parents even talk about um wanting to see more of eric or wishing that they were there but you can't just replace him that doesn't just because you brought someone in doesn't mean that person will fill that void and then same thing with uh jack and Sean, it's this idea of just because you are brothers doesn't mean you're brothers. You need to have these moments. You need to have some kind of connection. You need to have some kind of trust and bond or frustrations. Like, you know, like you need to be human to each other and more than just ideas. Um, and I think that that's, that's what I got from this episode. Absolutely. You know, I, got, I got the same thing. Uh, I really just thought that the emphasis of building a relationship and having to um, kind of sort through all of the mess before it gets pretty, I just thought that was a good lesson to tell. Absolutely. And uh, I think we've, we've talked about this before. Usually we're like, what is your bra moment? Our, my bra moment is definitely the entire character of Larry, but then also this idea that Corey is pretty much trying to get Sean to start an OnlyFans. Yeah, there's five minutes of footage of a uh, underage kid showering himself somewhere. So that's my <laughs> breath thing as well. One thing I quickly want to mention just before we move on to grades is that the final sequence of the house, they're kind of talking about Corey has this old Disney's interested in the three picture deal bullshit joke. Um, but Feeney says, I'm thinking of putting my house up for sale. Saying, you know, things are just getting too crazy. I thought the kids, things would calm down when the kids got older. What's really interesting is that this is such great foreshadowing because that's kind of what the finale ends up being is Feeney saying, hey, I want to retire. I want to sell my house. So it's just the fact that they like threw that in there as a joke now, but the fact it comes back later in the season, I think is really great. Well, I mean, I like... I don't know about that because we have shown that Boy Meets World wasn't exactly thinking forward. So if anything, that was like maybe one of a more logical conclusion, but I'm not going to give them foreshadowing credit just now. Okay. Um, That's what what grade, grade? grade do you have? I'm, I'm going to give this episode a, honestly, I'm going to give this episode like a B minus. It was just okay. Oh my God, dude. Same exact grade B minus. It's, Again, it's just short of great. It has a lot of really good ingredients, but it's not a good meal. Um, and I, I just don't think it's very, it's not an episode I want to watch again. I don't think there was a lot of funny jokes in it. I don't think the story is as interesting. I've seen Corey with the camera a few times and it seems to be the same story he learns every time. Um, but I think when I was looking at the episodes for this season is that this season really doesn't pick up until Angela gets in. And like the second half of the season is full of like heavy hitter episode after heavy hitter episode. But like this up until like the time, like jump episode where they go to World War II, which happens this season, it's kind of full of trash episodes. And I think this is kind of one of the more trashier episodes of the season that we're going to see. Um, yeah, B minus. Wow, way to sell it. <laughs> no I'm, I'm telling you as soon as angela gets in we're gonna have so many great episodes to talk about but until then i just feel like we're gonna see a lot of so-so episodes okay um how about homework yeah I, i'll go ahead and throw out a shout out for this movie called promising young woman that i saw recently Ooh, i've wanted um, to watch this 
dude i've if you've seen the trailer if you've seen this movie it's out for rent please watch it um i wasn't prepared to talk about it so i don't have any of the stats about it of who directed it or who's in it but the story is just simply about a woman who is kind of on revenge against these men who take advantage of women and it is just such a, a fantastic movie for this um for this moment and the fact that it kind of goes into who is a nice guy and who isn't a nice guy. And uh, it, it's just a phenomenal film about women and their approach to, you know, uh, men's bullshit. And so I, I, I would just highly recommend it. I don't want to give anything away about this movie, but it's just very, very, very good. And in fact, there was a few moments in this episode where I'm starting to know this, this nice guy trope. Um yes. And like this movie is all about the nice guy trope that I'm not those other guys. I'll actually take you home. But if you're drunk, I might give you another drink if it means I might get lucky like those kind of assholes. So, um, yeah, definitely check it out. It's streaming almost everywhere. And um, yeah, definitely. yeah no, I, I love that you said that because um, uh, I think I've brought them up before, but the YouTube series, The Take has a whole, um, like, they're going down different tropes and they're explaining them. And the nice guy is definitely one um, that I I love sharing because it's so important. So many men get the trope of, like, being the nice guy or, you know, um, presenting as a nice guy, I would say. But they, their, their behavior and their end goals are no different than the kind of meatheads that they talk about you know what i mean that's what and, this whole movie is about it's it's it, i'm sorry i just want to say it's starring carrie mulligan and Bo burnham and allison brie um and it was produced by margot robbie funny enough and considering i just saw birds of prey for the first time i'm like yo margot robbie knows what she's doing and and as a voice in, in the hollywood so one of the things i one last thing i quickly want to say about it uh connie Britt and laverne cox everybody gives fantastic performances jennifer coolidge who you might know as the stepmom from uh cinderella story has um, a dramatic performance in this movie ooh. that's phenomenal like she is always considered like i if you can picture her in your head yeah, <laughs> jennifer, coolidge. jennifer coolidge no she, yes she is just she was you know uh stifler's mom and american pie all of that shit. she actually gives a fantastic dramatic performance in this movie and that was one of the many surprises that you'll see watching it um see it she's, yeah. she's a great comedic actress but yeah. i don't think i've really seen her in anything serious so um, yeah. that would be interesting what's um, your homework my homework is um kind of in line with this episode um or at least it's, it's about siblings um it's this book called the vanishing half um which is about it's it's a by a black author and it's about these twins who grew up in this town like they're black twins who grow up light-skinned and therefore are able to pass and Ooh. it's the different stories of like what happens when you're a twin, but also when you can be mistaken for white and this like dual identity. And it's a really, really great, it's a great story about race without actually being about race and, and about like keeping secrets from families and generational prejudice and like all of these things. Like it's, I cannot speak higher praises about it. It's just for me as someone who grew up and like we often talk about code switching that's something that like is a, a really big buzzword now 
Um, it is interesting to see how we shape ourselves to fit into the white world, but what would you do or what would it be like if you could be mistaken for white? And what does that do for your own self-identity? Um, and, and what does it mean to be white? I think all of these things are very, very interesting. And um, I really enjoy the book. So that is what my homework is. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, I guess that's it for this episode, right? Yeah. Uh, you guys got, we, we gave you a pretty substantial episode, I feel like. We, we, <laughs> uh, so thank you guys so much for listening to Brum Meets World. Remember, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, all the places. Leave us a rating. You guys have been very great at reaching out to us. I hope that you're happy we're back. I'm pretty sure you are. Um, you can follow us on Twitter and um, Instagram at Brum Meets World or email us at Brum Meets World at gmail.com. Com. You can find me on Twitter at I am not your Oreo and TC. You can find me on Instagram at a braver me, but not really though, because honestly, I think Instagram's kind of dead, but I don't want to get into it. What platform are you on now? Uh, honestly, I think at this point, I think I'm more TikTok only because Instagram really? feels like everyone is trying to like get brand deals or sell something or presenting a version of their life that feels ultra curated to the point where it doesn't feel authentic. I'm getting kind of over it. But I think, you know what it feels like? It feels like when when um, Instagram started focusing, when people started doing like their layouts or their grids like to match, to me, it felt like that moment in my space where like everyone started going really crazy with their designs and we kind of forgot what the social media platform was about that's what it feels like to me so i don't know interesting i never got that but i I, i'm definitely interested to see uh where that goes anyways um yeah you can find me on there um also you guys can hear both me and siege on our other podcast movie makeover where we talk about a ton of old school not really old school but like 90s 2000 aughts movies that uh from from these movies are like 30 years old so we're talking wow old <laughs> oh my god so old school um but yeah talking about some movies from a perspective of you know how they're aging in 2021 and how are they doing with diversity and we have a lot of interesting conversations with our co-host christine who's awesome and yeah movie makeover check it out okay um thank you guys as always dream try and do, do good. good later bro some good later bros when this boy meets world